It is so important to establish absolute truth, something which carnal academia claims does not exist. Without the absolutes, moral life follows an ever-erosive path. To the blood absolute truth is found in the Holy Bible, and the real absolute truth never changes. Of Jesus Christ, Hebrews 13.8 reads, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Conversely, man's truth of yesterday has been debunked by his truth of today, and his truth of today will be debunked by his truth of tomorrow. Obviously, there's something wrong with man's truth. The Scriptures teach that truth is a person, John fourteen six. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Do you know the truth? Do you know this Christ of glory? You can meet him today at the place Jesus calls born again. At this place one repents of their sins and believes upon the saving blood of Jesus Christ for the salvation of their soul. At born again, sin and shame are expunged from your record, and Satan's bondages are broken. Will today be your day of salvation? Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, Genesis 1, verse 1, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. God said, Exodus 20, verse 11, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. God said, Proverbs chapter 30, verse 6, Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. Man said, the God of the Bible is not relevant in today's enlightened society. Science has relegated this Bible God to the realm of mythology. Now the record. Since the beginning, truth has been under constant attack. In Genesis chapter 3, Satan converses with Eve and challenges God's word. Since then, the challenges now number in the billions. It's comforting for the children of faith to know that the challengers have failed every single time. Be of good cheer. God's word is still the truth and righteous altogether. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, 6 through 12 speaks of the coming of the Antichrist and a spirit of strong delusion that will grip the souls of the lost. And now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time, for the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all powers and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. 
Romans chapter 1, verse 28 speaks of a reprobate, worthless and evil mind that will possess those who reject the cross of Christ. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Today's carnal academic mind is reprobate and truly labors under strong delusion. The God of creation has been replaced with their God of evolution or evolution, as the British appropriately pronounce it. Satan often hides in plain view. For example, when one arrives at God's house of faith, one is greeted by the cross of Christ, the ensign of the redeemed. However, when one arrives at the house of unbelief, universities and museums, for example, one is greeted by the dinosaur, the ensign of the lost. Keep in mind that in 1848, Sir Richard Owen coined the term dinosaur, which means terrible lizard. Prior to that, these creatures were called dragons, Leviathan, and behemoth. In light of the above, consider Revelation 12, 1 through 9. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth, and pained to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child, who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne." And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she hath a place prepared of God, that they should feed her there a thousand, two hundred, and threescore days. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought in his angels, and prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. The ensign of the lost is the dragon. A concentrated effort to destroy the Bible God has been mounted globally by the evolution God, and the hearts of untold millions have been polluted with unbelief. The psalmist frames it clearly in chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Why do the heathen rage, and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord, and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder, and cast away their cords from us. Excerpts from The Origin of Species Revisited, Volume 2, authored by W. R. Byrd, follow. Most of the actual lobbying and political pressure in the creation-evolution controversy in recent years has come from evolutionist organizations, in contrast to the comparatively limited efforts of creationist organizations and the explicit opposition of many leading creationist and creationist organizations to legislate efforts such as balanced treatment legislation. 
evolutionist organizations that have carried on significant lobbying against the theory of creation include the following. Committees of Correspondence, People for the American Way, American Humanist Association, American Civil Liberties Union, American Association for the Advancement of Science, National Academy of Sciences, National Education Association, National Association of Biology Teachers, Biological Sciences Curriculum Study, end of quote. The lobbying efforts of the Antichrist have been so successful that the concept of creation as a viable rival to evolution never sees the light of day in the typical classroom, Bird notes. In the typical classroom addressing evolution, no alternative theory of the evidence was ever introduced, no critical examination of assumptions and incongruities ever encouraged, Rosak. The average biology textbook and publication schools devotes 14,055 words to evolution, Scoob, but not more than an unfavorable paragraph to any current alternative theory. The leading textbooks admit that evolution is another pervasive theme that is developed throughout the book so that the entire course, indeed any modern biology course, can be regarded as a summary of the evidence for evolution, Klinkman. The textbooks not only are what students read, but generally determine what teachers teach in science. Castrons, end of quote. Evolutionists claim that it is uneducated Bible thumpers who represent creationism and not real scientists, but the opposite is true. Thousands of today's credentialed scientists choose creation over evolution. The very foundations of science itself have been laid by biblical creationists, again from the origin of species revisited. Modern science owes its very birth in life to the once newly universal belief in a creator, according to Jackie, the eminent Seton Hall University physicist and theologian with doctorates in both fields who recently won the Templeton Prize. Its thesis can easily be summed up. Great cultures, where the scientific enterprise came to a standstill, invariably failed to formulate the notion of physical law or the law of nature. Theirs was the theology with no belief in a personal, rational, absolutely transcendent lawgiver or creator. Their cosmology reflected a pantheistic and animalistic view of nature caught in the treadmill of a perennial, inexorable returns. The scientific quest found fertile soil only when this faith and a personal, rational creator had truly permeated a whole culture beginning with the centuries of the high Middle Ages. It was that faith which provided in sufficient measure confidence in the rationality of the universe, trust in progress, and appreciation of the quantitative method, all indispensable ingredients of the scientific quest. To this belief, science owes its very birth in life. Gilkey of University of Chicago agrees that the origin of modern science is rooted in the belief that God created the earth. Idea of a transcendent creator actually made possible rather than hindered the progress of the scientific understanding of the natural order. In a real sense, the modern conviction that existence is good 
because it is intelligible to scientific inquiry, finds some of its most significant roots in the Christian belief that God created the world. Other philosophers of science and scientists who have published similar conclusions include Whitehead, Oppenheimer, Foster, Claren, Calvin, Hukas, Isley, Wiseacre, Hodgkin, Glover, Oakley, and Mock. As Isley says, it is surely one of the curious paradoxes of history that science, which professionally has little to do with faith, owes its origins to an act of faith that the universe can be rationally interpreted and that science today is sustained by the assumption. Most of the individual founders of modern science believed in the existence of a creator, as well as in the creator's intervention in nature contrary to natural law, and in fact, were creationists. Sir Francis Bacon, the father of modern science, was a creationist who wrote, To conclude, let no one weakly imagine that man can search too far or be too well studied in the book of God's word and works, divinity or philosophy, but rather let him endeavor an endless progression in both, only applying all to charity and not to pride. Sir Isaac Newton, the father of physics, discoverer of the laws of gravity and inventor of calculus, was a creationist who, for his famous Principa and other scientific work, had an eye upon such principles as might work with considering men for the belief of a deity, and nothing can rejoice me more than to find it useful for that purpose. Newton's widely circulated condemnation of hypothesizing about creation by natural law and his insistence on the necessity of divine intervention left the distinct impression that Newtonianism and cosmogony were absolutely incompatible. Robert Boyle, the father of chemistry, was a strong creationist, as were most of the early members of the Royal Society in England, Trevelyn States. Robert Boyle, Isaac Newton, and the early members of the Royal Society were religious men who repudiated the skeptical doctrines of Hobbes, but they familiarized the minds of their countrymen with the idea of law in the universe and with scientific methods of inquiry to discover truth. It was believed that these methods would never lead to any conclusions inconsistent with biblical history and miraculous religion. Newton lived and died in that, other, in that faith. Other creationist scientists included Descartes, Kepler, Galileo, Newton, and Leibniz, Lakota states. René Descartes founded analytic geometry. Johannes Kepler laid the foundations of modern astronomy. Galileo Galilei made major astronomical contributions. Gottfried, Wilhelm, Leibniz invented the calculus independently, appears of Newton. Numbered among creationist founders of branches of science were also Blaise Pascal, who developed analytic geometry, John Ray, the founder of systematic biology and natural history in Britain, Nicholas Steno, who pioneered in geology, paleontology, and crystallography, William Harvey, who was the founder of, founder of a modern physiology, and John Woodward, who was the founder of experimental plant physiology, end of quote. Creationists go on to include Linnaeus, the father of systematic botany, 
Agassiz, the founder and first director of Harvard's Museum of Comparative Zoology. He was one of the most famous scientists of his day. Pasteur, one of the most important founders of microbiology. He discovered pasteurization, vaccines, and proved that germs cause disease. Sedgwick, one of the founders of modern geology. Maxwell, known for his formulation of electromagnetic theory and who ranked with Sir Isaac Newton and Albert Einstein. Silliman, who was instrumental in developing the oil industry and the founder of the American Journal of Science. Faraday, one of the most influential scientists in history. His invention of electromagnetic rotary devices formed the foundation of electrical motor technology. Brewster, the father of modern ep uh, experimental optics who also discovered Brewster's angle. Zhao, who studied nature and discovered its relationship to mechanical work. This led to the law of conservation of energy, which in turn led to the development of the first law of thermodynamics. Kelvin, who devised the absolute temperature scale called the Kelvin scale and formulated the second law of thermodynamics. And how about Matthew Maury, father of oceanography, father of naval meteorology, and titled Pathfinder of the Seas. The state of Virginia erected a monument to him, and the plaque reads, Matthew Fontaine Maury, Pathfinder of the Seas, the genius who first snatched from the oceans and atmosphere the secret of their laws. His inspiration, Holy Writ, Psalms chapter 8, verse 8, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 6. The foundations of science have been laid by God's creationists and absolutely not by evolutionists. Bird goes on to write the following about the number of creationist scientists in the world. Keep in mind that his book was published in 1991, and the numbers he cites are still growing. There are probably several thousand creationist scientists across the world, many of whom belong to the Creation Research Society and or the American Scientific Affiliation. The Creation Research Society includes over 600 creationist individuals with doctorate or master's degrees in the natural sciences. The American Scientific Affiliation includes about the same number of individuals with scientific credentials, a significant proportion of whom identify themselves as creationists. A large number of scientists not affiliated with either organization are also creationists. Notable creationist scientists in recent years have included Dr. Warner von Braun, a rocket physicist and director of NASA's Space Flight Center, Dr. J.J. Dwayne DeWitt, former professor of zoology of University of Orange Free State. In a different sense, Sir Fred Hoyle, former professor of astronomy at Cambridge University and fellow of the Royal Society and the Royal Astronomical Society, and Dr. Dean H. Kenyon, a professor of biology at San Francisco State University and co-author in his evolutionist days of biochemical predestination and origin of life research, end of quote. God is not mocked. Galatians 6, 7 reads, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Sow faith and reap the benefits of doing the right thing. So unbelief and their fruits are truly, most literally, deadly. Bird points out some of the fruits of unbelief. Marxism has a good deal in common with the evolutionist faith, Midgley observes. 
Marxism quickly adopted evolution as Gould notes. The most ardent materialists of the 19th century, Marx and Engels, were quick to recognize what Darwin had accomplished and to exploit its radical content. In 1869, Marx wrote to Engels about Darwin's origin. Although it is developed in the crude English style, this is the book which contains the basis in natural history for our view. Marx later offered to dedicate volume two of Das Kapital to Darwin, but Darwin gently declined, stating that he did not want to imply approval of a work he had not read. Marx thereafter wrote to Engels that Darwin's book is very important and serves me as a basis in natural selection for the class struggle in history. Not only is it a death blow dealt here for the first time to teleology, the study of the evidence of design, and the natural sciences, but their rationale meaning is emphatically explained. Marx emphasized the role of evolution in his ideology. But nowadays, in our evolutionary conception of the universe, there is absolutely no room for either a creator or a ruler. Stalin was also greatly influenced. He began to read Darwin and became an atheist. Biological arguments for racism increased by orders of magnitude following the acceptance of evolutionary theory, states Gould, as in this textbook used by Scopes. The races of man, at the present time, there exist upon the earth five races or varieties of man, each very different from the other in instincts, social customs, and to an extent in structure. These are the Ethiopians, or Negro type, originating in Africa, the Malay, or brown race from the islands of the Pacific, the American Indian, the Mongolian, or yellow race, including the natives of China, Japan, and the Eskimos, and finally, the highest type of all, the Caucasians represented by the civilized white inhabitants of Europe and America. Evolutionary values have also borne fruit in controversial political views, and the extrapolations from Darwinism to either humanity or society are not separable from Darwin's own views, nor are they chronologically subsequent. They are integral. This was by Young. Social Darwinism arose as an economic survival of the fittest, Hofstadter. Marxism has a good deal in common with the evolutionist faith, Midgley. As Marx recognized in saying, the origins of species contains the basis in natural history for our view. And in offering a, a to dedicate volume two of Das Kapital to Darwin, Gould, biological arguments for racism increased by orders of magnitude following the acceptance of evolutionary theory. As Darwin categorized the Negro as among the savage races. Nazism defended genocide on an evolutionary survival of the fittest of races, and Hitler consciously sought to make the practice of Germany confirm, uh, conform excuse me, to the theory of evolution. End of quotes. God's word is true and righteous altogether, and the rotting fruit of rejecting this absolute truth permeates society. The foundation of all truth, including the sciences, is rooted in the creation God. Embrace the God of the Bible and live life, live life more abundantly. God said, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. God said, Exodus 20, verse 11, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day 
and hallowed it. God said, Proverbs 30, verse 6, Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. Man said, The God of the Bible is not relevant in today's enlightened society. Science has relegated this Bible God to the realm of mythology. Now you have the record. 